0: This is Coach Lee, and you're listening to The Door Report.
1: On today's episode of The Door Report, powered by Alaco Finewood Floors, we're joined by Michael Katz, who covers Ole Miss for the Northeast Mississippi Daily Journal to preview Saturday's Vandy-Ole Miss matchup here in Nashville. We discussed the Rebels' emotional victory last weekend over Kentucky, the running back duo of Quinshawn Judkins and Zach Evans, Life after Matt Corral with USC transfer quarterback Jackson Dart under center. Last year's Vandy Ole Miss game in Oxford and how that could play into this year's game. The amount of Rebel fans we could see in the Music City on Saturday. And Michael also gives us his prediction for Saturday's game. It's Vanderbilt and Ole Miss coming up on Saturday at 3 p.m. Central Time on the SEC Network at First Bank Stadium. We've got matchup history, game notes Depth chart surprises this week. The health of the team. Three keys to a Commodore victory, and our final predictions coming up on the Door Report, powered by Alaco Fine Wood Floors. Commodore Nation, let's ride.
2: At Vanderbilt, it's Tim Corbin in the Vandy Boys. Jerry Stackhouse on the hardwood and Clark Lee on the gridiron. Nashville. It's time to sit back, relax, Rolling grab a coat, and, and the buddy, enjoy the show. The music city is our stage, and West End is where we rock. You're listening to The Door Report, the premier Vanderbilt podcast for fans who believe black and gold. Commodore Nation. Anchor down! no strings till the Hank comes out. Make all the drunk girls scream and shout. We love it, we hate it, we're all just trying to make it. In this crazy town.
1: Welcome into the door report it is episode 183 it is Wednesday night October the 5th we are into the month of October the chill is officially in the air. At night, in the morning, it's perfect. It's awesome Uh, in Nashville right now. Great weather. Going to be great weather on Saturday for Vanderbilt and Ole Miss. This is the Door Report, powered by Alaco Finewood Floors, family-owned and operated for more than two decades. Alaco Finewood Floors is Nashville and Middle Tennessee's choice for premium quality hardwood floors. Since 1995, Jimmy Alaco and his army of employees have embodied the approach of taking pride in one's craft and providing superior customer service growing from a one-man shop to a team of 23 professionals who share the founder's passion for quality craftsmanship and customer satisfaction. If you're interested in contacting them, you can find their headquarters at 2505 Winford Avenue over in Berry Hill, or you can call them at 615-356-0303, or check them out online at alacofinewoodfloors.com. Alaco Finewood Floors, serving Middle Tennessee's hardwood flooring needs since 19. 95 will the Ole Miss rebels Hottie toddy is coming to town and and man that's how you know it's going to be a beefy episode take a look at Mr. Byram's shirt I am I'm the beef that, that's all you need to know about this podcast <laughs> man I I'm I'm jealous you didn't even ask me uh, if I wanted one, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go buy one now on Amazon. But hey, uh, I'm gonna get
3: to start buying us matching shirts for every episode. Like I, that's what I texted you. I said I a
1: shirt every episode.
3: Well, I'm building up a collection right now of like more interesting things to bring out each podcast to like bring up anything, add anything visually to this podcast because you have stepped it up in my background look at, look at this my,
1: this is a jay cutler bobblehead that's that uh, really. channel 4 I, news i didn't even know these existed so that's I've got, phenomenal. I've got, I've got that uh back here today so we've got uh, a little bit a little bit more uh aesthetically pleasing episode at least well i'm right about
3: now. to i i mentioned it on the interview but i said i've i've been on my roommate about it this is like the home office extra bedroom area that we split and so my side has a bunch of stuff on it. But you can't see any of that during the podcast. So that's my whiteboard uh, back there. It's I the only, only thing I'm Very ones.
1: business-like. Yeah, that's,
3: that's all the things that I'm supposed to do. And that doesn't even begin. to. to do, <laughs> do they all say I have two, L- two LLCs now. No, they do not. None of those do. I have two LLCs now, Billy.
1: Two
0: so, LLCs. Yeah. Mr. Businessman will buy them. Buy them.
3: Pack it, packing on things onto my already full schedule, so man, it's going great.
1: Speaking of a full schedule, that's what Clark Lee has had uh, here in this uh, these last what a few tr- weeks. transition. What dude. a transition that was, that was. Unreal. Unbelievable. It's Vanderbilt and Ole Miss on Saturday, Will. 3 o'clock kickoff Central Time at First Bank Stadium in Nashville. Ole Miss is a top 10 team. Now, we're going to talk about are they a legit top 10 team or not? We actually asked that to our guest, who we'll uh, reveal a little bit later, but number nine in the country right now, Ole is an 18 and half point favorite. Uh, so we'll dive into the game, Will. We will talk a little bit about the Rebels, but our guest, Michael Katz, who covers Ole Miss for the Northeast Mississippi Daily Journal, probably the longest newspaper name I've ever seen. He does a phenomenal job, though, covering Ole Miss. Uh, he's one of the best down there in Oxford. So we talked to him about Ole Miss and their position groups and Lane Kiffin and everything within the Ole Miss program. So we've got that coming up. Depth chart notes, Will. Vandy's healthy. I mean, this is as healthy as they've been all season long. That's a a huge aspect of this game on Saturday, and as always, our three keys to a Commodore victory and predictions. Will I'm fired up. This is I, I think we we say it every week. It's going to be beefy, but I mean the shirt kind of cements it today that this is going to be one beefy episode. Well,
3: we're coming off the bye week, so you can't you can't blame us if we're a little bit overeager heading into a top ten. <laughs> I, I, a no top matter 10 who matchup. we
1: be playing this week, it, it's gonna be it's gonna be energetic.
3: Yeah. I- I think we both uh, going into that Alabama game. So you said every week we say it's going to be beefy. We did not say uh, the Alabama episodes, either the preview or the recap are going to be beefy. (laughs) Uh, This one under normal circumstances, I think anytime you're facing Lane Kiffin, for whatever reason, it just has interest nationally and storylines that are going to be fun to follow and different unique offensive things uh, that you're going to see on the field. Uh, But I mean, this game, what I wanted to get to at the beginning is talking about the gambling line and how wrong I was. And so that's that's the, yeah, what, mi- what the main it, point I want to get to beforehand. Yeah, so the, I, d- I tweeted that out, and I have like a, two pages of notes trying to figure out what, what I have miscalculated here. Because Vanderbilt opened up as a 19-point underdog against Ole Miss, and that has shifted down to now where they have broken the threshold, at least on FanDuel when I last looked. Vanderbilt and a, being half. a they were 16 and a half, Ooh. 16 and a half, Billy. That that was the thing that I was looking at. Keeps going down. Why, why I'm even more scatterbrained than normal is I was looking at that line movement and it's crazy. It makes me think that I'm missing something. It's like seeing movement in the stock market and all of your expectations, it it doesn't follow that. You're like money is coming in on Vanderbilt's side and I'm trying to think of some outward thing that that is causing that. I don't know if it's like what we Does talked about Vegas before. Vegas know
1: something we don't?
3: Either A, that or B, it's the it's the almost over wins bettors picking their matchup with a high money line that is available to bet. Um, that is one of the games that they see is potentially that. a payout with an upset. So those are the two options because the other side of it is the over under started at 59 points uh, and that has shifted up to 61 and a half. So it's not that the expectations are this. Th- there's bad weather. Uh, that's sometimes you see that over-under go down and you'll see the spread shift down along with the over-under and they're just shifting the expectations of points being scored. Uh, the weather, you said in Nashville, it's beautiful. It, oh, it's it, that's be not the reason. And the over-under has actually gone up. So something within this game, whether it's money and, and other things that are moving this line unrelated to the actual game are causing this line to move because I put out that I thought it would break 20 and possibly even hit 21. Um, and I think I said before the Kentucky game, which which I think that Ole Miss was a little bit exposed as not being an unstoppable right. force in that game. Uh, but I thought the line would probably be twenty. What did I say? Twenty? I think it was like twenty-two. you? Are you yeah, starting, twenty-two.
1: Yeah. You started 22, around 22, twenty-two or twenty-four
3: because I said that that was the ultimate line that Vegas doesn't know what the hell to think, and that's mm. going to be a major theme. I think of this preview is going to be, I think Vegas is just moving around with how the money is coming in on this game. And that's why you're seeing the large line movement down uh, to where Vanderbilt's actually broken that 17 point barrier. And is and is I, a 16 and yeah, a half one underdog last time I checked.
1: I was really surprised to see uh, how far it's already moved. I mean, it's not like it's moved dramatically, like, like the wake game did, but I mean, to already be down is 16 and a half on FanDuel, that that's, that's, fairly dramatic at least in, in in the vegas world so we'll, we'll dive into that will we'll talk about that line and of course we always mention it in our predictions it's old miss at five and oh vanderbilt three and two coming up again three o'clock central time kickoff we will preview that and talk about everything with this matchup before we do though don't forget go follow us on twitter at door underscore report also instagram starting to revamp that instagram content door dot report like us on facebook subscribe to our youtube channel Our podcast is available on Anchor, iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. And while you're at it, give our podcast five stars and review on iTunes. All right, let's get to the Ole
2: Miss preview. No matter what style you're going for, you can trust your flooring job to Alaco Fine Wood Floors. Take a walk through the woods in your home every day. Get your flooring job started today by calling 615-356-0303. Alaco Fine Wood Floors craftsmanship you can stand on all right will as i mentioned
1: uh, a nice kickoff time i love this i love the afternoon kicks whether it's 2 30 3 o'clock central time i like night games i'm a big big night game guy but i love this three o'clock central time kickoff sec network is the channel uh miss will they're coming off a huge win last week 22 to 19 victory at kentucky or not at kentucky that was actually at Ole miss but that was a top 10 win So I mean, Kentucky's really good, but that means Ole Miss is also a really good team this year, just like they were last year. So, but now they got to go on the road to Vanderbilt, and uh, yes, there will be a lot of Rebels fans there. Um, But you know, no matter where you are, I I do think it's 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 a little bit more of a challenge, um, even if you're at Vanderbilt in, in the SEC. You know, I mean, it's obviously less of a challenge, but. Um, I mean that 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 comes into play here, and we talked to Michael Katz about that. Will, but interesting uh, historical notes on this matchup. Last meeting, uh, Ole Miss won last year, thirty-one to seventeen in Oxford. It was a tight game. I mean that that was a battle, uh, really all the way throughout. I mean Ole Miss pulled away late, ended up winning by a couple scores. Uh, but Vanderbilt was in that game. You could argue that was their their best their best game last year. I mean at least in the SEC. Uh, And they're they're I mean, they played really well. Mike Wright ran the ball well, but it's crazy to look at the contrast of of how different both of these teams are this year. And, and, you know, everybody wants to go back to, oh, well, Clark, you, you know, you, you competed last year in Oxford. Clark kept saying, he keeps saying all week that. That that game does not come into context when you talk about this game on Saturday. Both teams are so different, uh, and of course, well, we 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 like to talk about how different Vanderbilt is, but Ole Miss is also very different from uh, from last year. So uh, that that obviously we'll talk about that matchup from last year. Rebels have won six of eight in this series, so they've had a lot of success against Vanderbilt, uh, really in the past decade. Last time Ole Miss came to Nashville, will was the COVID year, uh, twenty twenty. They won fifty four to twenty one. Uh, Obviously, not a fun season, but uh, they ended up dominating Vanderbilt in that one. All time series, dead even, 39 to 39. I didn't even, I had no clue. You
3: you do not see that very often.
1: No, you don't. That That
3: is something you certainly want to win. I know it's Ole Miss sitting at number nine, but it would be nice to actually have an SEC opponent. (laughs) <laughs> that you have a winning record against. I don't well, know if that is the only one. Might I might have to dig into that. Get our stats. Yeah, department.
1: we do need to dig into that. We need to get our researcher on that. But uh, pretty interesting though. Will thirty nine to thirty nine. So Vanderbilt could uh, could take the edge over Ole Miss historically if they win Saturday. Obviously, going to be a tall task. We'll talk about that. Will. But early thoughts on this matchup. I mean, for me, Will, it's yeah, Ole Miss is hot, but Vanderbilt's playing at home. They had two weeks to prepare for this. And initially you look at this and you kind of say to yourself, there's no excuses. There's no excuses for Vanderbilt not to compete in this game and be competitive. I'm not saying win the game, but Vanderbilt must be competitive in this game. Every You have every reason to believe that if you're a Vanderbilt fan. You've got A.J. Swan at quarterback, and and you've got, you've got two weeks to prepare you. That 15-play script should be perfect. I'm going off on a tangent here, but Will, Those are my thoughts. What are your early kind of initial thoughts on this matchup?
3: Ole Miss always brings something weird, something odd, something uh, maybe not the last couple of years because the talent gap has been so large, but in the past you have one of the most painful losses uh, in kind of situation as well as how it happened on the field, not just gut-wrenching, shitty performance from the team but like actual gut-wrenching like had some stake in where Vanderbilt would have played yep. uh, or placed and played out the rest of that season and had an impact on that the Jeff Scott run I will never ever ever forget that is the that was I'm like say, I was gonna say that was step one but that was like step 19 and breaking me breaking that my fans. it's, it's crazy Vanderbilt, Vanderbilt Stadium uh,
1: you know uh, this it has to get back to to that night but will That was the loudest it's ever been. And then probably three minutes later, that might have been the quietest it's ever been on that Jeff Scott run. Well, all Miss fans were there, but in terms of Vanderbilt fans, I mean, it was it's crazy. So I think that a reference point to what that's what you want to get back to if you're Clark Lee and Vanderbilt.
3: Yeah, and you said that both teams are so different from last year. And Clark Lee's commented on that a lot when being asked to compare one of the most competitive performances this team had in 2021 to this season. But he keeps being like, these are different teams. And, and some of that is personnel. Some of that is mindset. Just some of that is scheme and design. For Ole Miss, it's all of those things. It's literally yep. everything I just named off. An uh, in interview with Michael Katz, we, we went over the quarterback changes and actual actual personnel movement. Uh, that they had coming in and out and where that's coming from. I I won't get into all that. He explains it way better uh, than we are going to be able to in prepping a few days before this podcast. Uh, But the movement that he showed is that it's causing Ole Miss to play a little bit differently than I think we are used to seeing Ole Miss and Lane Kiffin teams play. They are running the ball a lot. They are running the ball the seventh most as a percentage of their overall offensive plays in the country, 63% of the time. And that's more than they were doing that last season. I always like to look at where they where these teams stack up in stats. Uh, I think they were sitting at like 53 percent of their plays last season uh, were runs. So with Matt Corral at quarterback, with that experience, a uh, guy that went on, I don't know if he's still on an active I think active in roster. in Carolina, I, he's probably you know, ba- yeah, he's probably bouncing around a practice squad or something somewhere down there with Baker Mayfield yeah. in Carolina. I hell, hell in of a Carolina- place to in Carolina.
1: But yeah, I mean, but the, the quarterback they're dealing is, with uh,
3: an inexperienced quarterback. I mean, right. he, he's a little bit more experienced than Swan. Uh, he's not a true freshman, but you're a little bit more limited in what you can do with a quarterback that's in what kind of year 1.1 of the mm-hmm. of the system and in kind of year 1.5. Uh, you you just aren't going to have the full understanding and scope of the offense on top of just overall decision making and and Michael hit on that he said he's Jackson Dart's going to do some things for Ole Miss that make you say wow and how he moves the pocket and is able to avoid pressure which is why Ole Miss I think is an offensive line has the number four uh, percentage of sacks given up mm. uh, the fourth highest so like good I mean number right. four like as a good thing for the offensive line not giving sacks. up sacks and. They do not give up sacks. I phrased that very poorly. But Michael hit on that that's some scheme and, and some Jackson Dart moving around in the pocket, but also the O-line uh, has been protecting well. So Jackson adds a different element to this offense, but he doesn't have the same type of arm, accuracy, consistency, just constantly hitting those 5-10 to 10 yard passes. Uh, like you saw last year out of Ole Miss and, and the year before. So there's yeah. there's benefits and drawbacks, but I always hate seeing that mobile quarterback come, yeah, coming I, to Vanderbilt. That always know, seems to give trouble to whoever's coaching.
1: I know Ole Miss has a really good running game, Will, and they have had a lot of success there. But let's not kid ourselves. This is not the Ole Miss offense of last year. I mean, you had a, a quarterback like Matt Corral. I mean, he was the maybe the toughest quarterback I've ever seen at the SEC level. You've seen guys like Tim Tebow, but I mean – He'd take hits where I'm like, oh, he might he might be out for the year, and he'd get right back up. I mean, so they don't have that this year. They don't have that Matt Corral. Jackson Dart is not Matt Corral, but, but like you've talked about, Will, and Michael talked about it in the interview, best running game in the conference at least right now statistically. I mean, a little over 1,300 yards and 262 yards per game on the ground Zach Evans and Quinshawn Judkins, I think, Will, and most people do, too. Two of the top five rushers in the SEC, maybe the best duo in the SEC. Evans, 389 yards, Judkins, 535. So pretty ridiculous numbers from, from two guys and obviously a heavy run offense and haven't played, you know, they've only played one SEC team so far. But still impressive, no matter who you're playing. Uh, well, I, I know, like I said, it's a step down for Matt Corral last year, but not by much. I mean, they've averaged 470 total yard or total yards per game offensively. That's fourth in the SEC. 37 points per game, top five in the SEC there. And you ta- you touched on the defense, Will, and we talked about it with Michael as well. Their defense is very improved. I mean, Lane Kiffin dipped into the portal and uh, found some some talented players. They've got, I think, 16, maybe 17 sacks this season. That's second in the SEC, four interceptions. So they've got an active defense, Will. And and I know we've got Michael coming on later to dive deeper into Ole Miss. Really, really good team. Now, I don't know if they are a legitimate top-10 team. That was the first question we asked Michael, and uh, I I think uh, our our listeners will be interested to hear his answer there. Uh, But Judkins, Evans, they got Heath at receiver, Will, uh, and they've got some active players on defense. So, Um, that's really, I think from the Ole Miss perspective, Will, uh, they lost a lot from a really good offense last season, but I mean, they brought in one of the best transfer classes in the country. Dart is from USC. Michael Trigg, his tight end from USC came over to Ole Miss Zach Evans. He was a five-star came over from TCU, the running back Malik Heath transferred from Mississippi state of all places to Ole Miss. And then Jalen Robinson, another receiver from UCF. So that's the new age of college football, but, Will, that's what Lane Kiffin has done. So it, I think it'll be interesting to see how all these athletes of Ole Miss match up with what Vanderbilt has as a whole. So I, that that's what I'm looking forward to. Um, I, I know Michael laid it on us with everything Ole Miss, but one more thing, Will, before we get to our three key uh, keys to victory, Vanderbilt is healthy. They're healthy, and I'm sure we will hint at this in our keys to victory, that using that health that you have. But I think five key players are back for this team, Will. There's, there's more than just five, but I think five that we should point to. Quincy Skinner at receiver, Ben Cox on the offensive line, Xavier Castillo on the offensive line, Miles Cecil on the D-line, and Jalen Mahoney. All five of those guys are, are going to play a role in Saturday's game and the rest of the season. Mahoney is huge. I mean, to have him back for an SEC opponent, it, no matter who you're playing, is massive. And, Will, Rocco Griffin and Patrick Smith, I think those two guys are the most important guys to have back, and I think it was a strategic move from uh, from Coach Coach Lee to not play them against Tus against Alabama in Tuscaloosa. I mean, let's face it, that's that's human nature, common sense, I think. Um, and then Jeremy Lucian's getting the start on the edge. Will this team, I think, from a health perspective, is finally rounding in the form, and you've got to believe that's going to play a factor. And they've had two weeks to practice with all these healthy guys, so. I mean, we haven't been able to say this. Will we, we? We have yet to be able to say this team is as healthy as they are right now.
3: This is another one that Vanderbilt is coming off of a bye week. Uh, they have guys coming back off injury. You have Ole Miss as an opponent coming off an emotional, tough, gritty win against an interconference opponent. This is one that I would highlight. Just gambling unrelated mm-hmm. to Vanderbilt this is, this is something I would look at the line and the and the buildup to it and I think that's probably why the line has shifted down on yeah. top of some of the other things we touched on with the over so I always like to look at things from from that perspective but yeah Vanderbilt is is definitely in an interesting spot and has the buildup to to compete in this game and I think we both expect this to be more competitive than the Alabama game because Olmus is Human I mean, yes. we, we said it. There's a difference in
1: there's some finishing top
3: about. 10, being in the top 10, and being in that top five, six. There There's another level of talent on these Ole Miss, Georgia, Clemson teams that Vanderbilt simply even on the best day. and And this is the difference right now with the state of the program versus even a team like Missouri. So Vanderbilt is, is – better coached I think they're more disciplined right now they're playing better but Missouri's base level of talent can allow them to truly compete with Georgia and if things break right that two three times out of a hundred they play Missouri can beat Georgia Mm -hmm. because they have legitimate real SEC athletes even though they're not you know performing well or they haven't all worked out that raw athleticism they possess is, is better than Vanderbilt's Vanderbilt doesn't have that A hundred times Vanderbilt can play Alabama. Alabama will beat Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt's best case this season is to just stay in the game. They didn't play perfectly, so they didn't stay in the game. And that's going to be the same thing with Georgia. I don't think that's the case with Ole Miss. I don't think the talent gap is so big that Vanderbilt is completely incapable of competing with this Ole Miss team, even though they're number nine in the country. Uh, So that is the expectation. I think that's why the line is where it is. Uh, but the expectations are different going into this and it's a nice sandwich in between. So yeah. a nice break, a nice easy break for this team to be playing the number nine team and not the number one or number uh, two or three yeah. teams in the
1: country. Not no no not not, not a, a challenge at all out of the bye week. certainly not. certainly not. Uh, Vanderbilt should have their way no uh, but no well, I, I really do think uh,
3: Vanderbilt you do I, realize I, I just realized this Billy though that Vanderbilt could have four losses be sitting at three and four. And three of the losses be versus top nine, and the other one be top versus top 20. Yeah. And they would be three and four. Welcome, welcome, welcome to a uh, ske- schedule to the SEC slash, slash an unfortunate, an unfortunate scheduling situation un, un, with un, Wake un, Forest. Un, Unfortunately, <laughs> I mean, that's just, that's not yeah. expected to have a potential Heisman candidate No, quarterback no. and be top.
1: I, 20, I don't know that, how that, far out uh, Coach Mason scheduled that. I love the matchup. I love playing Wake Forest, but. Mm-hmm. A, little, a little bit tough because, because they're because the
3: difference is their athletes will always be at a level even when they're so good Similar that if everything Vandy's. breaks right Vanderbilt can do it I, and that is not saying that I think even this season that Vanderbilt is going to be an underdog versus Missouri it's just saying their athletes are good enough that if they just every if Georgia or Obama come out sleepwalking right just like Alabama did against Vanderbilt they came out and played like garbage you won't catch Alabama playing worse than they did at the beginning of that game. And Vanderbilt still got absolutely demolished. So that that's where you're building from. You're seeing instances. This is another step to take because both of these teams still have either played teams that are very highly rated or very low in the rankings and, and in their other matchups. So both of these teams are still kind of floating in in the, in this middle of not having played anyone between number 30 and number 70 uh in, in those rankings so far this season.
1: Yeah, that will that Bama game that's that's a loss that just stings. I mean, after in the locker room after the game, I mean, there's really no other feeling. I mean, you just got destroyed. So this team has sat on that feeling for 2 weeks now. And you return home against a good SEC opponent, but there's all the motivation. We talked about motivation. The motivation right now is there for Vanderbilt. It's going to be all year. But in this game in particular, it just feels like certain things are lining up for Vanderbilt to be competitive in this game. Um, so, Will, and who knows what happens towards the end if it is close. Uh, I'm I I'm confident. I'm confident. And uh, I'll, I'll say that before we get to the three keys to victory. Will, let's get into it. Three keys to a Commodore victory for Vanderbilt against Ole Miss. The Rebels coming into Nashville on Saturday. I will begin, and I'm sure you will not be surprised uh, for me to hear this one, Will, but number one key for Vanderbilt on Saturday, load the box. Load the box because Ole Miss is going to want to run the ball. They're going to – Michael said it. That's what they've been wanting to do all season long. They did it against Georgia Tech. They did it against Tulsa. They did it against Central Arkansas, and they did it against Kentucky maybe not as successfully against Kentucky as opposed to the other opponents but they want to run the football because that's what they do that's what they can do and you know you don't have Matt Corral back there to kind of play you know escape artist and escape blitzes and run the football and, and seemingly plow guys over the way he used to last year Jackson darts a good player but he's not Matt Corral so what Lane Kiffin has realized this season is that he has to lean on the run game and be, be creative with it Coach Lee talked about yesterday's press conference how how many different ways they they utilize their running backs. They've got Quinshawn Judkins, a really talented freshman out of Alabama, who has really bursted onto the scene, almost 600 rushing yards already this season, and Zach Evans, a transfer from TCU. I really I think they're the best one two punch in the country so far. I mean, it's what they've done 924 combined rushing yards. Um, well, we we saw a lot of times last year. The death by a thousand cuts. We we saw it against Mississippi State through the air, the air raid offense. I think there's a scary potential in this game for Ole Miss to just run, run the ball. And, and maybe, maybe you don't see a lot of chunk runs, but you just see four yards, five yards, six yards, eight yards, three yards. You just kind of slowly the, the death by a thousand cuts. We saw that. A lot last season I'm not saying that's what I expect I think there's a chance for that to happen in this game Vanderbilt has to load the box in this game will that it's no secret Ole Miss wants to run the football especially against a reeling Vanderbilt defense I would expect a heavy dose of the ground game from Ole Miss and Lane Kiffin he knows what he has to do to win this game and will even though Vandy knows what's coming that that doesn't make it any easier to stop I mean it's a sport of football you, you that's what it's about. You know, it's coming. How do you stop it? So I think for Vanderbilt, well, I'm not a defensive coordinator, X and O's expert, but I think when if you load the box, yes, you open yourself up to Jackson Dart, maybe beating you through the air, but lose by that. Lose. If you lose this game, let Jackson Dart be the one that beats you, not the running game. So that, that's what I'll say here. Make Dart the one that beats you through the air, not Judkins, not Evans. They use tempo. Will Ole Miss uses tempo to get the defense on their heels. Uh, this is what Coach Lee actually said. And a lot of times those chunk gains come after explosive sequences. So they'll get you on your heels. They'll throw a screen pass, get back up to the line quick, and then, boom, strike a run game, strike a run play, and then they're off 40, 50-yard touchdown. So you, you, you've got to be aware they go fast. But I, I just think you have to load the box, Will. The run game is how Ole Miss wants to expose Vandy I think they can expose Vandy Vanderbilt is, is inept up front on defense. They've got good linebacker play lot. There's going to be so much pressure on these linebackers on Saturday, Anthony Orgy, Kane Patterson, Ethan bar there always is, but well, you've, I, I think you've got to send creative blitzes to stop the run game, not just bring pressure on the quarterback, but to stop that run game, you're going to have to do some things you haven't really done all year. And I'm sure you've you've got two weeks to prepare. So, for me, will uh, in a long-winded kind of uh, key to victory for Vanderbilt, just lo- load the box. And I'm not, you know, I, yes, this is a key to victory, but I think Vanderbilt can load the box and stop the run, but they can still lose. And like I'm saying it in, in, in the vein of, if you want to be competitive, you, you have to load the box, and you could still, you know, Jackson Dart could beat you through the air. So be it. That that's the way you need to lose this game, though. If 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 it does go that way, but let Jack make Jackson Dart beat you not the running game, That that's my key one, Will. You're making
3: me shift my number two to my number one, which you seem to do quite often when you come out <laughs> and do do your keys first, but I'll shift it. I've written down is break, don't bend. Mm. Uh, you're probably going to give up points to a team averaging 38 points per game regardless wait, of the wait. competition. Wait, wait, I
1: just realized you said break, don't bend.
3: Is yes. It? You serious? Yes, yes. Okay. exactly. You're going to give up points, okay? How you give up those points and when you give up those points, that is up Uh, to you. So my number one key is going to be something you may see them not do. This is going to be a definitive, thought-out strategy that I think is your only opportunity and chance to win this game. Ole Miss is the number 16 team in quarterback sacks as a percentage of plays. They are the number four team as a percentage of plays when they are on offense of giving up sacks. So you need – this is going to be kind of what you were saying, just a little bit different. So more than likely, with Jackson Dart being as mobile as he is, you are not going to be able to sack him. Even with Cecil back in the lineup, good, good LB play, Vanderbilt has a history of having trouble uh, containing mobile quarterbacks. Ole Miss runs the ball uh, 64%, 63% of their offensive plays. Uh, so when you say stack the box, I think you hit the nail on the head. I don't want to see Vanderbilt die by a 1,000 cuts. I think that is the most painful and demoralizing way to lose. Put the corners up there. Vanderbilt is aware that they are not going to be able to match up for extended long drives, no matter what, with the athletes Ole Miss has at running back and receiver. Eventually, no matter how conservatively you play on the outside, someone is getting beat deep. Someone is going to miss a tackle and two, three times a big play for a touchdown is probably going to be given up at least no matter how conservative you play. And I'm considering that 20 plus yard plays Jackson dart number nine or Ole Miss in general. They've had a little bit of a quarterback controversy there, but Ole miss in general, number 90, which I don't understand. Percent. I mean, <laughs>
1: I don't know. understand that quarterback controversy.
3: That was that was like throwing him a bone, allowing that other QB to start. That was Central just that was, Lane that, Kiffin, was like,
1: that was Lane Kiffin playing games with the media. Yeah, that
3: that was Lane being like. Like, yeah, go starting in Central Arkansas. <laughs> like, yeah, dude, you're in I the mean, quarterback all, competition here. I care, we care about this game. Like, I'm, I'm just saying, saying like it's awful. But Jackson I'm not saying he's player. awful. It's just funny to me seeing like coaches like try to create some type of motivation that's so like obviously failed. But now you've gotten me off of what I was talking about there. Ole Miss is completing only 58% of their passes. Number 90. They're running the ball a lot, not just because it's what's been effective. But they're running with the ball a lot because their passing game is not the same as it has been. It's not as efficient. It's not as quick. So put guys up there, send pressure on Dart, contain Dart, and then make him make the right decision under pressure. And if he does and they score on six 20-plus-yard touchdown plays, then so be it. But the other side of this, which I will continue on as we run down through these lists, that is step one is you have to have quick possessions from Ole Miss, whether that's three and outs or that's going to be five, six play drives that are in under two, three minutes. Because you mentioned Ole Miss's pace. They're the number five fastest team in seconds per play, 20.7 seconds per play. You hear everything about uh, Tennessee's fast pace. Well, they're 20.3 seconds per play, so it's not that much different. Uh, so right there, you you have a team that wants to play fast. They run the ball a lot. That's not a common combo. Don't let them eat up five, six, seven yards on runs. And then when they do need to pass, allow Jackson Dark to scramble out of the pocket and pick up five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten yards. That is what is demoralizing, wears you down, and ends up with
1: a final score that doesn't look too pretty. Number two for me, Will, is create turnovers. And this has been a common key. I know you definitely had it either two, I think it was three weeks ago uh, heading into Northern Illinois. Um, but and obviously, Will, when you create turnovers, you give yourself a chance to win. But I, I just think this is so important on Saturday because you have to find ways to limit possessions against this type of an offense. How do you limit possessions against an Ole Miss offense? You create turnovers. You force them into mistakes. Force Jackson Dart into, uh, you know, a, a, a throw rolling right, and you know he makes he just makes a mental mistake. Force that pressure to create that mistake, you know, active hands, you know, pound, you know, th- just any way to you can create a turnover. You've got you've got to find ways to do uh, the defense. They ju- they have to generate possessions for AJ Swan in this offense. And how do you do that? You create turnovers. I know it's it's a lot easier said than done, Will. Um, but Vandy has forced six turnovers through five games this season. Not, not bad by any stretch. Um, but I think you need to get that number to at least eight if you want to compete in this game. I, I really do. I think you need to force at least two turnovers to be competitive in this game. And those turnovers that means Ole Miss mistakes. You, you Ole Miss has to make mistakes in this game for Vanderbilt to have a chance. Um, and, and, and I think you know, I think Vanderbilt can, if you keep it within two touchdowns, and, you know, and you didn't, you didn't force any any turnovers. I think that's a that's a good performance for Vanderbilt, but I, I just think Ole Miss is a they're a different type of team than last year. But I would argue that, in in a way, in a weird way, they're just as good and just as effective as they were last year. So, well, I'm looking for Vanderbilt to play a second half against Hawaii style of defense. You remember the the way they played in that second half against Hawaii? I mean, they were flying around like chickens with their heads cut off. I mean, you saw you saw guys making hits and balls bouncing everywhere. I mean they just they played active, and I know it's Hawaii, but will, I mean, the hits, you saw the the hit from Elijah McAllister, Ball bounces loose. You, and touchdown Anthony Orgie. You saw Max Worship again in the second half do the same exact thing. So I just think you know, play like that. I know you that was against Hawaii, but you've got to find a way to replicate that. Uh, will, Jackson Dart, he's thrown four interceptions. I mean, he he's he hasn't had the the cleanest and most efficient and productive season. And you know, I, I think it's 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 not like people are hyping him up and you know at, outrageously, but you know he has thrown four interceptions, so that has happened. And they've also fumbled three a few times this season, three times I checked. Uh, Will, if I'm if I'm not mistaken, so you know I'm not saying they are turnover prone, but they they that has been a little bit of an issue for Ole Miss this, this year, and they haven't played. I mean, you've played Kentucky; that's the only SEC team you've played, and they have struggled against the likes of Tulsa. And they didn't struggle against Georgia Tech, but even Central Arkansas. I mean, that's an FCS opponent. And, you know, you you saw an Ole Miss team that kind of surprised a lot of SEC fans in general. So, well, you have to create turnovers. And, you know, I know they have six turnovers this season, but I feel like there's still more out there for this defense in terms of being that active defense, that hyena defense that Howell and and Clark Lee want from this team. Like they, Clark Lee talks about, there's more out there on the field for them with certain players. There's more out there for this defense. It's not going to be easy against a great running team in Ole Miss. I mean, they're running the ball the whole time. How, how the hell are you going to force turnovers? But I, I do think you've got play like peanut Tillman did for the, for the bears. I mean, any chance you get just punch, punch, at, punch at the ball. And, and I think, you know, if, if you, if you're successful, so be it, you're creating turnovers. If not, That, that was, that was a key, you know, and and it just didn't happen. So, well, I think number two for me is create turnovers. And I I chose that because Clark Lee, he talked about it a lot in in his press conference. He kept mentioning, you you just have to, I mean, you have to, you have to limit possessions and creating turnovers is the biggest way to limit possessions for an offense like that. And if you don't do it, you're just, you're, you're dead in the water, you're dead in the water. And uh, so I, I just think number two, will you've got to create turnovers if you want to have a chance.
3: I'm glad you had turnovers on there because I didn't have it on mine, but it fits in perfectly. You're basically saying shorten Ole Miss's possessions and shorten the amount of time that Ole Miss has to wear on that defense so that if you are in the game or can stay within striking distance, that fast-tempo offense that they utilize actually plays against them. And that is the big key in all of these games. That is why Heupel is always going to have leads or play with teams in the first half that are really, really top-tier uh, and then they will fall apart late, and they will have issues late. You say not even top tier. You saw it against Florida. I mean that is, that is not random. This is happening for the first year and a half at Tennessee. I wanted. I think that Vanderbilt needs to try to exploit this against Ole Miss and and take that fast pace and and play it off against them. And that's mm-hmm. easier said than done. So this was actually my key number one. Uh, so it, it, a little bit of chronological order Yeah, so let's remember what my key number two was. uh, if I can even remember uh, what my key number two was, good God. Uh, But break, don't bend. So on defense, limit their possessions, uh, limit the length of their possessions. So that was actually my key number two. My key number one, Uh, let me find it completely in my notes here. I'm very disorganized today. Stay in it early, take their first punch. I borrowed it from my last week's keys, uh, which were against, obviously, Alabama, and they did not execute But Ole Miss, even more than Alabama, early in games is jumping on teams. Mm -hmm. Uh, And the stats back that up a lot more than Alabama. Some of that is competition, which I'll get to uh, when we dig into the preview a little bit here, uh, like our score prediction. But stay in it early. Ole Miss is number eight in the country in first half points. Vanderbilt is number 76 in the country in first half points, averaging uh, let me wow. find it. 12 points per first half. Ole Miss is averaging 24 points per first half. In first quarter scoring, that is even larger. Uh, no, Vanderbilt is – yeah, yeah. So first quarter scoring. Sorry, my handwriting is horrific. First quarter scoring. Vanderbilt, 6.8. Ole Miss, number 11 with 10.5 points per first quarter. So that is on offense. And then on the defensive side, it is even more drastic vanderbilt where do you think vanderbilt ranks in first half points per game given up so like defensively so number one would be I, the best defense number 127 i would
1: say towards the bottom like yeah, like very close maybe even very close to the bottom
3: yeah number 112 yeah. uh the d is giving up 20.8 points per first <laughs> half now this is why we say baby steps right yeah, this is what we incredible. say just because that's you big. read that but just because you're that that's lower by two points per game than last season. I know this is before SEC play. It's incredible though
1: because they've won two games and you've got you've given up that many that many points. It's they've drastic. won three games. Oh,
3: Good God, you're going to short Vanderbilt on wins? It's Come late,
1: well It's late. It three is, wins. So you That's can even, hear that, our that, brains scrambling. <laughs> That's even more reason though. Three wins and you've given up that you're like bottom tier in first half points given up. I mean, you know, I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to be Mr. Positive here, but, I mean, that's a crazy stat. That's crazy.
3: Yeah, and the only team that Vanderbilt ranks above in the SEC standings uh, in yards given up per game is Tennessee, which goes to show that a quarterback really can change that much. I can't wait to see. Do you have the second-half numbers? Uh, I do have the second half numbers, but I did not. Uh, I'm not going to read them because they're useless. Because well, of the I was asking because early. It's be and and the well, think about the irrelevance of how those are going to be added up if you average them through Vanderbilt's games. You have the Hawaii game, you have the Elon game, right? Which yeah, is going to look is going to look statistically bad, and then you have the other side, which is the NIU game, which is an anomaly, and then you have Ole Miss. Yeah, never mind. There's no one correlation. Yeah, you you have to f- pick and choose. Like game nine, I'll be able to just read the stats off, and most yeah. of them will be pretty contextually accurate and comparable. Not right now. Though. Right now, not right now. You've got very like thirty-eight points per game on Ole Miss's schedule. A little bit different uh, than thirty-eight points per game on some of these other teams' schedules.
1: Yeah. It's it, it's crazy though, it, you know, because you look at Vanderbilt in the first half, they've really struggled. And I know, you know, this is only the only played five games, but that that jumps out to me. That really does. Um, well, so that's your second key. Start early and stay on them. Take their second. first punch, so, which is they're gonna score
3: fast, they're right. gonna score early. Just know that. Right. And you have to and you have to control and I'm not going to get into my number three. I'll let you get into your number um, three. am getting chronological it. it's a strategy I have a weird I a full game plan for Coach Lee I have a <laughs> strategic game
1: plan. I have a weird sense that our third keys will be similar. Um, I haven't talked about Vanderbilt's offense yet. So offensively, well we, we know that this offense is I mean it's night and day the difference between where this offense is right now. And, and where they were last year at this point in the season. It, it's it's ridiculous. I mean, you were – I think at this point in the last season, you, you didn't know if it was Seals or right. Is Seals hurt? I mean, I, there was so much going on on that offense. You know, Joey Lynch trying to figure out what the hell to do offensively with the guys he's got, but now – Number one, you've got Joey Lynch really in year one. I mean, you threw, you threw that guy into the fire last year. This is literally year one for Joey Lynch, and he's been I – th- I think he's been good, Will. I think Joey Lynch, he's got more – he's got A.J. Swan now. I think that's been a huge part of it. But you've also got a an even better Will Shepard, an, an even more dominant Will Shepard. You've got a veteran running back in Ray Davis – and you've got an improved O-line. So Joey Lynch has had the things around him to be successful, but I think even Joey Lynch has improved as a play caller, and I think that's been a big part of this offense. But, Will, right now the biggest part of this offense, it's A.J. Swan. It, it is A.J. Swan. What he showed against NIU just it told me that he can have success against even SEC defenses because the, what a good SEC defense is this year is not what it used to be. It's just not. Defense around the country is not – it's not valued the way it used to be. So the success I saw against NIU told me, okay, you know, I think he can do that against even an Ole Miss. You know, not Bama or Georgia, but a Tennessee, a Florida. I think everyone else, A.J. Swan in this offense, can have success. The defensive play in the SEC is – it's not great. It's it's really not. I mean, you saw a Georgia team – struggle against that Missouri offense. So I think really you could argue from top to bottom, but at least from Vanderbilt's perspective and in terms of relativity with Vanderbilt, Missouri, not great, Florida, not a great defense. Um, And and there's not any, there's not very many great defenses in the sec anymore. So I say that to say that AJ Swan has real true potential this year. And I think my last key here, Will, as I get to it here, let the kid throw, let him play. If you're Vanderbilt's offense, if you're Joey Lynch, let him be who he is. The training wheels are off. Hold nothing back with, with AJ Swan, and it starts. I think what we're going to see from Swan the rest of the season starts on Saturday. Now it, we may see a similar game in the Georgia game, as you know, as we saw against Alabama, Georgia and Bama, almost, you know, almost the same. But we saw what Missouri did to Georgia on Saturday, so I think even Georgia. You know, you could say down the road, Swan could see a little bit of success. But let him air it out, Will. That's what I'll say. Um, Ole Miss is going to load the box just like Vandy is, I think. I mean, Ole Miss Miss knows Vanderbilt wants to run the ball as well. They're going to make A.J. Swan beat them in the same way that Vanderbilt's defense, I think, should make Jackson Dart beat them. So to A.J., Will, I'll, I'll say this. This is your moment. This is your time. I mean, Ole Miss is not Alabama. You're not in Tuscaloosa. So it's kind of like the nightmare is over you're, you're not in Kansas anymore you know I, in uh, the, what is it Dorothy Dorothy what movie is that will um, Wizard of Oz yeah The Wizard of Oz I don't think that has any comparison to what I'm trying to say but that's you're not in Tuscaloosa anymore yeah you, you know the, it, it's it's over and so it's like the right. opposite like
3: you're kind of like <laughs> yeah, flipping yeah, I know. like it's the other way around but, but yeah I mean I,
1: I, I think we all get it yeah we, we get the point but It's getting late it's it's getting late man. Uh, late dark TDR after dark right now, yeah. but AJ, this is your moment. It's your time to shine. You've had two weeks to prepare uh, for an Ole Miss defense that is improved, but I think, you know, Kentucky will showed me, I mean, Barry on Brown, the kid that played at Pearl Cone, he had two catches for like 90 yards and they were on screen passes. So I think there's some things on film right now against, you know, for Ole Miss's defense that Vanderbilt can attack, whether that's Jade McGowan, I think McGowan could have a big day. Um, I think there's the potential for that, but well, I- I'll say this. You're healthy. You're healthy. Offensively. The grease gang is as healthy is as, healthy as it's been and probably as it's going to be. Um, and you've just, you've got the tools around you. He's got the toys to play with. You've got Quincy Skinner back, which I think is, is a, you know, an underrated aspect to this game on Saturday as well. You've got receiver depth. So long-winded answer to say, well, let him be himself let let him be the swan that we saw against NIU you know give him that protection I, I talked about protecting him against Alabama they did well I'm not going to say they did that but he he more so more or less protected himself I mean he just kind of you know he didn't absorb protected the, the ball. yeah he, he protected, protected the, ball the ball and he protected himself he just kind of absorbed the hits and would kind of go to the ground like like a Tom Brady or something but I, that was that was great that was good to see from him but will protect him, let him be himself, give him everything he needs to complete those throws to Shep down the field, throw that screen pass, have that opening to run, you know, to, to step up in the pocket. So let him be himself. You know, the training wheels are off. I think the, the coaching staff knows that. And they know they have to make Swan be what he can be to win SEC games and be competitive. That's why they, they, uh, they, they put him in for Mike Wright after the third turnover against Wake Forest. Clark Lee said we had to do something. We had to do something. And Swan, is that something? And I think he's been even better than the staff even expected. Um, He's certainly better than I even expected. So, well, this team, let's face it, I mean, it's all – it's mostly about A.J. Swan and what he's able to do. I mean, it's about – all. it's an offensive game. Can he outscore the other team? And Swan is the quarterback. He's the leader of this offense. They've got to let him be what he can be. Let the kid throw. That's my third key. And uh, give him time, too. I mean, that's always a key, but uh, just let him be himself. That's uh, that's what I'll say, Will, and that's my third and final key for Saturday.
3: Yeah, I'm glad I saved my most complicated and statistically heavy key. Oh, or no. at least like a, like like a, not a, not statistically heavy, the conglomeration and, and entire oh, point of kind of what now. I've been building up to. Yeah, it's going to be bad. <laughs> uh, so my number three key is really just everything that me and you have talked about kind of summed up, which is going to be that there is going to be something early in this game that you're going to feel that is going to tell you everything you need to know mm-hmm. uh, about how this game is always going is to go and you'll feel it already who is in control of the flow of this game. And I know that is super general and super broad, which is why I have some stats to make that make sense. And that's what I was doing right down sense, over is listing them out in order. So my number one stat is going to be yards per point. So this is going to be a list of probably some of my favorite gambling stats and finding overvalued and undervalued teams. So number one is going to be yards per point. That is exactly what you think it is. I like where you're going. So the elite teams, of course, are going to put up a lot of yards and a lot of points. And that is going to be helped by the fact that their defense on these really good teams is going to be setting them up in good field position. Uh, it relates to how your punt game is, if they're able to to pin other teams down and get you in good field position. So Vanderbilt in yards per point is number nine in the country, 11.3 yards per point. Wow. Ole Miss, number 74 in the country in yards per point, 14.5. So really that is more of a defensive and special team stat than anything else. Uh, also just the efficiency of your team, once they are in a scoring position, capitalizing uh, with touchdowns or at least getting points up on that board when they do have good field position. So that hits on your key number two turnovers, very key, creating good field position, Hayball uh, being able to pin or Miss deep when Vanderbilt is stopped creating Uh, turn or situational advantages uh, obviously turnovers is the number one. So I'll shift to my number two stat, uh, which is going to help. So that's going to be plays per game. So obviously we keep hitting on how quickly Ole Miss runs plays and how little time is in between. Ole Miss is number eight in the country in seconds per play Vanderbilt number 111. So Vanderbilt on average takes eight seconds more play per play pretty much than Ole Miss does. So that is why it is so key, in my opinion, to say, break, don't bend. You cannot tire out your defense by allowing Ole Miss to run the number of plays they want to, which is 74.5 per game, ranking number 36 in the country, while Vanderbilt ranks number 115, running 63.8 plays per game. So Vanderbilt obviously controls the ball more, not quick up to the line of scrimmage, some of that. Having a true freshman quarterback is going to slow that down even more, but just controlling the ball and not allow, not having three and outs, I think is such a key uh, with not allowing Ole Miss to get up into that 70 play range, keeping them below 70 plays in this game uh, will be key because that leads to my number three stat, which is points per play. This is the stat. This is the one that I said to you, I have some juicy string of stats here. The number three Here we stat go. and key stat is points per play. So everything that I've said so far is kind of summed up in this one. And this is kind of like uh, the major metric, like R squared or, or whatever mm. you want to do in, in Excel. But Vanderbilt right now, points per play, ranks number 21 in the country, 0. 0.506 points per play. Ole Miss, number 45. Point four two six points per play Ole Miss likes to run a lot of volume of plays not the most volume they like to get up quick run quick volume of plays and they score based on your defense being misaligned with their speed so what Ole Miss wants to do is tire you out tire your defense out Vanderbilt is back to I won't say full health but getting healthier and a mm-hmm. lot healthier than they were last week as healthy Ole, as Miss they've wants been. To, Ole Miss wants to tire you out with this quick offense by last year it was quick passes, three, five, then 10, then five, then three, and then boom, 60 yards. That's what they're doing with the run game this year. So if that's their plan anyway, just make them make quick decisions, make a young, inexperienced quarterback, an inexperienced team that has a tendency to turn the ball over, make quick decisions because that's their plan anyway is a lot of plays, a lot of volume, and then eventually something is going to pop. They're doing that a little bit differently in the run game than in teams in the past underland kiffin have done that with the passing game so that is my key number three is control the flow of the game control the ball and most importantly keep ole miss under 70 plays and if you keep them under 70 you give yourself a puncher's chance if you keep them under 65 plays you're going to be right there at the end of the game with the chance to do something special uh, which we'll get into the predictions in a second i don't think i expect that to happen uh, but i'm sure clark lee and staff and the players know all of this already uh, as I'm sure they've had two weeks to prepare for the game and and know some basic statistical stuff, but I, yeah. I thought that all that was pretty interesting, Billy.
1: Really. It is, Will. I think that I think that the the yards per play is 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 very interesting, and the yards per point. I think it's very it's really fascinating to see that with this Ole Miss offense because if they're not running at their tempo at the tempo that they want to, they're they're typically not finding success. I mean, I mean that. That is that is the that's kind of the straw that stirs the drink for their offense that that with tempo comes success and it comes success in the running game. And
3: just really quickly, I want to make sure that, like, people aren't going to like, well, who else is is has higher numbers of points per play out there? Because, you know, you could be thinking, well, that's just a bullshit stat, whatever. Uh, The number one team in the country. I don't know if you've you've seen their offenses. okay. is Ohio State. Uh, and not, points not, per bad. Play. not bad uh, the number two team is alabama uh they have an okay offense uh had a decent quarter have a decent quarterback Dude, bullshit uh, number three Dad, well. number three is michigan uh in that in that stat number six tennessee number seven usc number nine texas number 11 georgia 13 oklahoma state so the list 16 mississippi state the list goes on and on and on this is a real stat that predicts offensive success and offensive efficiency the teams i just named off aren't just the best, flashiest offenses, they're the ones that don't make mistakes and capitalize on the opportunities they are given and presented by the other two phases of the game. So Ole Miss, there's opportunity there. I'm not saying that Vanderbilt's set up perfectly to capitalize on it, but this Ole Miss team is not like Bama or Georgia leading into that prediction No
1: or preview. No, certainly not, and will, but a lot of credit goes to to Lane Kiffin. I mean, he, he really is an offensive whiz. He knew... No Matt Corral, but, you know, you've got these two stud running backs and and a lot of talented transfers coming in. He figured out a way to, to find success. So, well, it, it's going to be so interesting to see. You, you know, I, I'm just – I'm more excited, obviously, because, it, it, you know, you're not playing Alabama. But, you know, I, I do think Vanderbilt matches up with Ole Miss better than people outsiders think. I know they're a, you know, 16-, 17-point favorite. But in particular, with this matchup and the way, you know, the the way last last week's game against Kentucky went, and the fact that Vanderbilt has two weeks to prepare, and I know we're we're about to get into predictions here, but that's what that's what's on the table. I mean, that that's kind of where we're at with both teams in this game. Once again, kind of the particulars. Three o'clock kickoff. Ole Miss ninth ranked team of the country. They are a 17 and a half, even hell, a 16 and a half point favorite. Will has seen on FanDuel three o'clock central time kick on the SEC network. Well, it is, uh, it's a homecoming of sorts. I know they, you know, with COVID year, they haven't been able to get all the homecoming, uh, you know, days in. So they've got about three homecoming classes uh, coming in on top of each other on Saturdays. So it should be a great crowd, um, you know, Probably mostly because, yeah, there's going to be a lot of uh, blue and red in the stadium, but I do think uh, there's going to be a good contingent of Vanderbilt fans and alums there. should be a great atmosphere. Let's get into, with that as a backdrop, will, our predictions. I'll start. I thought about this for a, a couple days will, and I was, you know, I, I started with uh, Vanderbilt that they just don't match up. You know they they just don't match up, and you know I, I think Ole Miss is going to have their way. But I I got to thinking, well, about Ole Miss's season this year and, and how it's gone. You, you know you saw you've, they're five and zero, so they, they've obviously they've obviously have not lost yet. But that Central Arkansas game got a little testy. The Georgia Tech game did not. But I look at the Tulsa game. I look at that Tulsa game because that. That Tulsa offense, I mean, they put up what was it? I I, th- I don't have the score in front of me, Will, but I'm pretty sure that was a 35-27 win for Ole Miss. So they were able to to put up points, put up 27. Um, and correct yep. me if I'm wrong. 35-20. Yep, 35
3: 27
1: Yeah, so, so 35-27 over Tulsa, and and I know that you know that's a couple of weeks ago. They they're coming off a win over Kentucky, but that that Kentucky game, well, I saw that entire game. That was that was filled with emotion. I mean, the Ole Miss crowd was into it. Kentucky fans were there. That's that's what you want in an SEC matchup. Um, and so you know, Ole Miss, they're they're probably a little beat up after that. And they don't have that luxury of having two weeks to prepare for this Vanderbilt game. And so I think that is a that I think that's huge. I think yes, Vanderbilt is not at the talent, depth, skill level at Ole Miss as probably not even close. But I think Vanderbilt has the pieces they need to compete in this game. And if things turn the right way, I think Vanderbilt has a, a shot. At, if this is close, Will, in the fourth quarter, I, I just, I love this game for Vanderbilt. I've been confident before and I've gotten bitten, bitten in the ass. But I think, I think both teams are going to score. I, I just do because I think this is going to play out similar to Wake Forest. And if Vanderbilt can simply protect their their football protect their quarterback take care of the football. You saw what AJ Swan can do. I mean, yes, it's NIU, but you saw it against uh, you know an ACC defense. That I mean, you know, we can't just sit here and, and and shit all over that Wake Forest defense. I mean that that's legitimate you know legitimate performance by AJ Swan in the second half. So well, I've got I've got Ole Miss winning the game, but I think Vanderbilt comes out and plays great. I think they play a great game two weeks to prepare, you've kind of stewed. You've sat there in in Magoogan and just stewed over that Bama demolishment for the past two weeks. So I think, both, like I said, both teams are going to score. I've got Ole Miss 42, Vanderbilt 31. I think Vanderbilt scores. I think they put up points. I think with Swan back there, they they start to find more rhythm. You've got Shepard. You've got Skinner back there. I think McGowan has some small potential for a decent day. You saw what Barry on Brown did last week. And Ole Miss is looking. You know, they're looking ahead to a, a kind of a pesky Auburn team that fought with LSU last week. So I don't know if this is your your classic trap game, but it, it, this has potential for a trap game. I, you know, I, I Vanderbilt just doesn't have enough to win this game, will. But I, I am more confident than most people than the people I've heard about this game this week. Um, I have a feeling you are too, but I don't know if you have the same margin as me. Um, I've got Ole Miss 42, Vanderbilt 31 on Saturday.
3: You're getting to the point of the season where some teams you can evaluate based on their previous matchups. Uh, they have played, you know, a, a, a myriad of teams kind of that are shaping out and where they're going to rank in the overall landscape of college athletics. These two teams have missed the entire middle of of all of college football. They've either played some of the worst teams and worst offenses specifically in the country or worst defenses in Vanderbilt's case, worst offenses in Ole Miss's case, uh, which which absolutely pumps up those defensive stats. Mm-hmm. You're seeing they are not giving up 14 points per game the remainder of this season. Yeah. They are not the number seven defense in the country, not even close. They are a good defense, maybe. Okay, they will finish the season in that 20 to 40 range after they get into SEC competition. And I'll get to this before I give my score. But you mentioned classic classic trap game. Uh, they play Auburn, LSU, A&M, Bama, Arkansas, and then the Egg Bowl in Mississippi State. That's some beef after coming the Vanderbilt up Vanderbilt game, and prior to that, they played Kentucky, which was a huge proving ground and matchup for Ole Miss. But getting to the prediction, I went both ways. I think as this game is inched closer, uh, I've actually shifted towards the game being tighter and Ole Miss not just running all over Vanderbilt as I actually dug into the stats on this Ole Miss team. I'll just go ahead and say 38 to 21 Ole Miss wins. I think it's right at that line. I think Vegas is, has set the line correctly. I think that's why it shifted down, even though I tweeted out it would shift up once I dug into it. This Ole Miss team is not a top-10 team. They just aren't. They will not be at the end of the year. I'll If I could bet that prop, I would bet a ridiculous amount of money. And there, in Kentucky, the top team top they team. beat, they're not a top-10 team. Either. Absolutely not. Florida, not a top-25 team. Kentucky – uh, will end the season around number 20 best case and Ole Miss number 15 to 20 best case you can look at the schedule it's Still gonna be a great that win, win. A great win. it's a great win it's but you're both teams were, both teams were badly overranked everything this season now a lot of this depends on Bryce Young's injury Ole Miss may see a crease but everything this year just feels like everybody fighting for scraps georgia and bama are so head and shoulders above anyone else it is not even close and it's clemson or not not well kind of clemson ohio, but state. ohio ohio state really ohio state bama and georgia are leagues literally leagues like could could be placed in a different league of football than everyone else they are that much better on offense it's really that they are just they, the offensive talent that the teams have, and Georgia's different because they are just talent on the defensive side of the ball and everywhere. And Freak it's hard shows. to know. Yeah, it's hard to know how much are we looking at on defense and saying this Georgia defense isn't the same. And like they're still number one or like number one in almost every category. I mean, they've got... just you're comparing them yeah. against the best defense ever. But Ole Miss, I I want to say their rankings of their teams Troy, who they played number 71, then they played an FCS opponent in Central Arkansas. Oh, yeah, I forgot about played... Troy. Yeah, then they play Georgia Tech, who's number nine. This is according to TeamRankings.com, so they have, like, projections out based on the previous matchups. Number 99 in Georgia Tech, uh, Tulsa number 75, Kentucky number 26. And the big thing, which is why I kept shifting up how many points that I thought Vanderbilt would score. I shifted down Ole Miss from 45 initially uh, once I found out their efficiency and what Vanderbilt could do to stop it. But the offensive offenses they have played have just been awful. And I'll go in that same order. So remember, it's Troy, then Georgia Tech, then Tulsa, then Kentucky, because you can't get these stats for the FCS opponents in Arkansas in game two. So just going in order, yards per play that uh, these opponents have had. Troy, 76, then Georgia Tech, 112, Tulsa, 83, Kentucky, 64. Then points per play, uh, 100, 127, 73, 41. So this Ole Miss defense, it is an illusion, and I'm not saying that Vanderbilt is the team to expose them, uh, because Vanderbilt yards per play, or are, are it's number twenty one points per play, number fifty. So it's it's getting to, or I flipped those, but flip those back. And forth. Whatever. Too many stats. I need to sit the notebook down, dude. It's it's getting bad. It's getting but,
1: really late. But <laughs> God.
3: We yes, got our predictions really,
1: in. That's all that matters. But the
3: opponents for them for Ole Miss are like you don't have any in that range that is like where Vanderbilt wants to get to. So that's set mid-70s. I think this will be a good measuring stick for Vanderbilt if they can have a similar score uh, to Troy or Tulsa, which Troy got their butt kicked 42 nothing. so that tells you nothing either. So that's what I'm getting at, Billy. We don't know anything about Ole Miss. We don't know how good they are. Huh, Vandy? They've probably played some teams in the middle of those rankings, huh? I bet you're asking yourself. Well, they haven't. Uh, Hawaii is literally the worst team in the country, as I predicted. Number one thirty. Not exaggerating. They are. Are the they? Are worst they actually? Team. They are actually ranked, as I said before the season. I didn't think I, I, I was heard, I heard they, they got, got, got a correct.
1: win over. I heard they got a win over something. Over an
3: FCS opponent. It was uh, Decane, I believe, because I bet <laughs> on Decane. Decane was a fourteen-point underdog. Good they for Hawaii. Against yeah, I've been betting against Hawaii on their opponent and making quite a bit of money this season. The under-Hawaii points in every single game except the hit. game and their opponent, yeah. But, wow. Well, uh, there, there it is. There it is. But well, 130, I- Wake Forest 39, then Vanderbilt played 101, then Vanderbilt played number one. So they haven't played anybody between 40 and 100 yet. And Ole Miss has not played anybody between 74 and 27. So that's a pretty big gap of having not played any – average college football teams neither of these teams have <laughs> and they've performed exactly how you, how would, you would think expect. they would against the good and against the bad so you have no idea this Vanderbilt team could be literally number 40 to number 100 and this Ole Miss team <laughs> could literally be from where they are now like number nine or number eight to all the way up like number 30 40 we have no idea because they haven't played yet. Yep, it's still early. Well,
1: that's a big thing we don't we 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 need to keep in mind. It's still early in this season. Yeah, you've got you know now I think we're at the point you've knocked out the out
3: of conference
1: game. Right, you, you've got right. that knocked out. Most teams have played at least one or two conference games, and you're starting to see where these teams are at in turn you know in terms of being competitive in your conference so that's where we're at well um i you know i, I figured we'd be close uh, i i was leaning to i was leaning uh 14 17 points um, i just I like vandy well i like vandy in this spot
2: ownership.
1: yeah i i just like vandy in this spot um you know two weeks to prepare i don't think Ole miss is as good as 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 they were portrayed to be in that one Window of a game last week. I mean, they, they beat Tulsa by seven. Ole Miss is a good team. They are a very good team, but I, they are not a top ten team, and they are not the ninth best team in the country right now. And they've—I think there is a little bit of added pressure now. Well, on Ole Miss, you're going. But to-
3: what scares me, Billy, before we get too excited and you get too riled up, is remember that their pass rush is number sixteen in the country in in percentage of sacks per pass play. So this Ole Miss team is getting a lot of pressure on the quarterback. So the the things I look at for Vanderbilt are that is like the entire summary of if this offense is going to have success. And if you see a high number on that QB pressure and QB sack percentage, you know that wherever they are ranked, they are going to look like number one. If they are in the top 30, 40, they are going to absolutely obliterate Vanderbilt's quarterback. That is every game for the last 10, 15 years. If teams have good – defensive lines that can provide pressure Vanderbilt's going to make them look like last year's Georgia team every single week so uh, please offensive line take that hate as as motivation pin that up on the on the whiteboard and prove me wrong I think because that is that is why I initially had the score as much of a blowout as it was because you saw how the offensive line uh, performed last week against
1: Bama Kentucky's offensive line is not good and I know you know what they've done is really impressive. I'm not trying to downplay it, um, but in Vanderbilt's offensive line, obviously they're not great either. So, yeah, I, I do think that's an opportunity that, that can be exposed. Um, I don't love – I don't have a, a ton of confidence, but I, I just think this opportunity, this type of score is out there uh, for Vanderbilt. And, and, you know, if all things turn right in this game, you create a couple turnovers, Swan finds Shepard Deep a couple – times. I just think it's there. But it, the the margin is razor thin, as Coach Lee has talked about, Will. And we both know that. We've seen it the past three years, four years. I mean, your margin is just so thin because of of the lack of talent and depth you have. So the chances you get, you have to cash in on them. Vanderbilt hasn't been able to do that. And Will, they haven't been able to do it at home. They haven't played well at home. I mean, yeah, you beat Elon, but that second ha- that second half was not great. Not great in the Wake Forest game, three turnovers. So they're due to play well at home. Yeah, you you know, you'd rather not play Ole Miss this next game at home. Uh, you know, you'd love to see Missouri or South Carolina if you're a Vanderbilt fan, but um, I just think the opportunities there will this all depends. My pick depends on Vanderbilt forcing two turnovers at least. AJ Swan, you know, playing the way we know he can. So a lot is riding on my pick. And so I'll I'll have to. Uh, like I said, I'm not super confident. I just think it's there. I think I think the opportunities there will. So uh, yeah, this is yet? the
3: game that like yeah, I think I think this is the last thing I'm going to say, and then I need to like get up out of this chair I've sat in since 7 a.m. But yeah, this this old Miss team is a team that I think like next year or in two years that I think Vanderbilt this would be like the upset prediction based on those stats I read off because the stats indicate that that I would highlight this as an upset alert. You have a double digit underdog with all of these kind of deep data stats at home coming off rest Superdog. The, this is where i this is where i pick my underdogs which by the way you can follow me on picket uh i'm 93 percent roi on money line underdogs this season in ncaa football Book uh, 30 it. and 40 on straight up money 30 40 and one on straight up money line uh underdogs and ncaa football. Hey, you bet ROI. no i don't even know what that is where do you gamble uh, i do, do that in therapy it's great. It, <laughs> I mean, you save so much, whatever you lose gambling, just think that's like not even two, three hours with a therapist. Like, so it, <laughs> you're making money back in the end, gambling, just not having to pay those, those therapy bills. But so you've got, you've got Ole you.
1: Miss, you've got Ole Miss covering that minus 17 and a half right now. Uh,
3: th- do do the math again, Billy. Am I, my thirty-eight twenty-one.
1: 38, 20. Oh I I am right on
3: where that where that line is bouncing around. I think I thought you said I thought you said forty two. My bad. Okay. I was hoping I would. That's what I initially said until I'd read into to their offense and efficiency. Okay, so Vandy we both got Vandy to cover. Well, depends on when you're looking at the line and where you're looking at the line. Right now, I'm saying that Vegas hit the nail on the head. I mean, I think it's going to bounce around seventeen. I was hoping it would bounce out to twenty one, and I was going to hammer it. Uh, not as much as I hammered the Hawaii game. But but that is too many points against an Ole Miss team that has shown that they're a little bit inefficient in turnover prone.
1: A little bit. A little bit. Well, that's it. That's it. That's, that does Thank it. Thank God. Uh, we're going to call it a night. You've been listening to the Door Report. Again, Vanderbilt, Ole Miss, number nine team in the country, rolling into the music city. Going to be a lot of hottie-tottie fans, a lot of red and blue. Going to be a fun atmosphere, though. Three o'clock kickoff in Nashville at First Bank Stadium. Don't have to bring your coffee. You get a little bit more time to uh, – to uh, put some beers uh, into your into your stomach and enjoy Saturday for Vanderbilt, uh, beefy episode. Will so we've got my that. shirt we looks like a... I'm the beer. It's cut <laughs> off with the part of mouth. My... So also <laughs> hey, yes, both I'm goes both beef. ways. Goes both both ways. Vanderbilt, Ole Miss coming up Saturday. You've been listening, episode one eighty three of the Door Report, powered by Alaco Fine Wood Floors. Welcome back into the door report alongside Will Byrum. I'm Billy Derrick, and we'd like to now welcome in Michael Katz. He covers Ole Miss for the Northeast Mississippi Daily Journal. You can follow him on Twitter at Michael L Katz. And uh, Mike, Rebels coming to Nashville on on Saturday, and uh, the, what a win last week! That they'll have to you know do it all do it all again. See if they can, they can do it again. Get another SEC win. Um, what uh, what did last week's win? do for the confidence of the players, the kind of confidence of the fans and, and for you, is that, was that enough to, to consider Ole Miss a legitimate top 10 team in your mind?
0: That's, that's the conversation I've been having with people. Like they are in fact a top 10 team, but are they really like a top 10 team? Like what is, what does that really mean? Right. Um, you know, all I could think at the end of that game was, I hope I don't have to rewrite my story. The last, like, minute of that game when uh, there was a 51-yard pass and then they scored a touchdown and then it was called back and then Levis got sack fumbled, all I was thinking was, don't make me rewrite my story on deadline. Like, just don't (laughs) do this to me, guys, please. Uh, So thankfully that's not what happened. But, you know, I I think with with Lane Kiffin and his teams, you expect a certain brand of football, right? You expect offensive explosion. You expect – a passing game that's dynamic you expect them to run the ball and you usually expect the defense to kind of be like we'll we'll see uh you know his first year they gave up like 38 points a game it was like it was they averaged 39 i think gave up 38 it was insane last year was a lot better i think it was around 25 uh, but they lost a lot of guys um and and Ole Miss has sort of been the, the transfer portal experiment of, of can you build a team or reload a team that you know made it to the sugar bowl but lost a lot of pieces? How much can you add from outside the program and, and not lose that momentum? And you know, you don't learn a ton about Olmus playing Georgia Tech, you know, with all due respect to Georgia Tech, that program's not in a good place. They just fired Jeff Collins, Central Arkansas is not even, you know, it's, it's it's a decent FCS program. It's not one of the better ones. Against Troy, you don't learn a ton. Against Tulsa, it was a little concerning because they didn't score anything in the second half. And Tulsa almost came back in that game with a backup quarterback. So the question was, what's going to happen when they play a legitimate team? Now, for the record, Kentucky is flawed. They're not perfect. Their offensive line is, is a little suspect. But when you've got a top 10 pick at quarterback, all eyes are going to be on it. And their defense is always good. Mark Stoops has just done an amazing job there. And I think the question was, if it's an ugly game, can Ole Miss win that sort of game? And you, you haven't really seen Ole Miss win a ton of those games. Um, and you don't think of of Kiffin teams being in those sort of you know slug them out games. And they won a game because of their defense. Um, it was it was it was the turnovers. It was, I think it was three sacks, a safety. Um, two turnovers like inside the 10-yard line and um, it's it, it was the sort of win that you know if you're going to have the season that Ole Miss wants to have and and they want to you know, like they want to finally make it to the SEC championship game and they, and they think they can do it you're going to have these games where things aren't going great and sometimes you're going to need things to happen and those things happen for them and I think that to win a game the way they did like that, I, th- I think that was really, really big. Would you love to win by 30 every game, of course, but not everybody. I mean, I would say Georgia, but Georgia just barely beat Missouri, like sometimes you're just gonna have those games. And if you win them, you know, you feel pretty good about it. I, th- I think this was one that they know they could have played better, but it was a really good way for them to win.
3: Yeah, Michael, thanks for uh, coming on, by the way, and previewing this game here with us. But uh, you answered about five of the questions that I had written down right there in their responsibilities. So I've been taking over. notes. I've been taking notes of like, OK, well, we answered that one, answered that one. You answered all the surface level stuff. I talk so too great. much. That,
0: that That's on me. No, no, that is certainly not a
3: problem when you're a guest on the podcast. Yeah, that means I get to go to my real questions. That just means we get past the surface level stuff real fast. So. Uh, You touched on one thing. There was a lot of things that I think I wanted to ask because I'm a little bit unfamiliar really with Ole Miss's personnel uh, because you mentioned the turnover that they had. Uh, So I'll just start off with the most obvious one, which is at the quarterback position. You had Matt Corral, who had a hell of a year last year underneath Lane Kiffin uh, in that that high-powered offense. And you switch over to Jackson Dart, who's had success, uh, but I think in his own way with an offense that I think is – running it a little bit more uh, especially percentage-wise I think they are have it written down here at least top 10 top 20 in a percentage of plays uh, that are runs. so uh, what has that transition been like at the quarterback uh, spot for Ole Miss and how do you think that'll play out as, as of course the schedule toughens up for them uh, just like it does everybody
0: yeah um, you know I think Ole Miss sort of for better or worse, got a taste of life after Matt Corral in the Sugar Bowl when when Matt got hurt. He had that ankle injury. And Luke Altmaier was a true freshman. That's a tough situation for anybody to go into, uh, especially against the—that was a really, really good Baylor team uh, which they with a really good defense. And he struggled. And so the question was, did you see enough from Luke Altmaier to say, this is our guy next year, knowing that you don't want to have a drop-off? All of us thought they were going to go portal hunting. We didn't think they were going to go portal hunting quite to the extent that they did. Um, Obviously, they bring in Jackson Dart. uh, Of course, everything always comes back to this. I went to USC, and Lane Kiffin was the head coach at USC when I was there. And now they brought in USC's quarterback, so it's just like really weird that it all ends up coming back like yeah. all, you're, this you're, whole you're, you're the best guy all Miss right now. With, <laughs> it's like it all it, randomly comes back around all within no, the guidelines it's, with recruiting and
3: transfer NCAA for everyone. This is not a shot at Ole Mess. This is <laughs> no. Just a, it's it's a, like a jo- I constantly joke about the NCAA and how stupid it is the guidelines and what they choose to punish <laughs> first. Not now, especially with NIL. I mean, the, I, the
1: transfer portal has has uh, has seeped into the writers as well.
0: no it's 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 funny like i never thought that you know when i graduated nine years ago that like lane kiffin and i would both be in oxford mississippi and jackson dart like the most he's not from california but he looks like the most california person like on earth uh like i you know and matt crow's from california too like you know there's just like all these like really weird connections um but the
3: most non-california state (laughs) like you can possibly go to i think would be mississippi on
0: a map if you could point
1: no no doubt no doubt about it (laughs)
0: sorry no no uh the game yeah yeah no so so dart you know he played an air raid offense last year um and usc was a mess let's put that out there but he was one of the few bright spots when he played um you saw flashes now he tore his meniscus i believe it was and so he was never quite uh full strength when he got back to sc and then they had their coaching change and um you know all this stuff happened there and he went in the portal and um you know he ends up at Ole miss and and i think maybe that's partly on us as as people who follow college football like we just thought that jackson dart was just going to come in and going to hit the ground running right um because we knew how talented he was we knew that um you know he had all the measurables he was the national Gatorade player of the year the kid could play we we all knew that but you know he got here in the spring and in the spring game he completed like way under 50 percent of his passes um he was turning the ball over it was really like it was and I don't know if eye-opening is the term but I think people were surprised that it just didn't click that quickly and then you realize he's 19 years old and that Um, you know, as much experience as he got at USC, he was still a true freshman. He's human. He's human. He's a kid and he's young for his age, like for his grade. And so, um, you know, it it was a, you know, Lane Kiffin's framed it as a quarterback battle and and Luke Altmaier did start a game. Uh, He started the central Arkansas game um, and it was a back and forth thing. And he eventually, Admitted, you know, Dart was the guy uh, after the Tulsa game, I believe it was. Uh, I, I think the biggest thing is that, especially last year, um, Matt was so efficient and he didn't turn the ball over. Um, everybody knows he's got the big arm. Um, he can move. He can He can do all those things. But, you know, the year before, when he was a fourth year, a, a third year junior or a third year sophomore he had games where he turned the ball over six times. Like he had an Arkansas game, I think it was six times, five times against LSU, something like that. Um, He had games where it really fell apart. And that was after three years in a system. And so Lane has said, you know, it took Matt four years to get to this point where he was this really efficient guy who who made the right decisions, then turned the ball over. It was kind of unfair to expect Jackson to come in and do that right away and so it seemed like every game except for I think one dart will have that one throw where you're like what are you doing man like that's and it's 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 the head scratcher it's I think the one against uh Kentucky was it was close to the red zone and he just threw even see a linebacker he threw it right to him and all of us in the press box were like that's a 19 year old and so I I think it's you you are right. They've depended more on the run game. And I think that's partly they've got really good running backs. Um, you know, Quinshawn Judkins is a true freshman that's got I think he's in the top 10 in the nation in rushing. And he's their backup. Um, their starter, Zach Evans, who was a five star kid coming out of high school from TCU. And he's been a little bit banged up, but they feel really good about that running game. So I think we're slowly seeing them develop into a team that is going to put more of the game in his hands. And I think we're starting to see that in different ways. He's running the ball more, and he's part of that designed run game. And I think that's – you're sort of seeing the playbook open up a little bit, and I think we're probably going to see it open up a little bit against Vanderbilt and then Auburn, and then as, as it goes. Um, it's it, it has definitely been a process. I know the numbers look good. Um, it's 37 and a half points a game or, or whatever it is, but it hasn't been – it has not been pretty at, at times. It hasn't been perfect. And it's and I think it's uh, I know Lane has said out loud that there's been times where you you sort of took for granted just how good Nat was.
1: Michael Clarkley talked about it yesterday in the press conference. You know he talked about the different sort of ways that Ole Miss uh, involves the running backs with the offense. Zach Evans, Quinshawn Judkins. Judkins a freshman who has looked phenomenal. I mean he he looks like the best running back in the conference right now. I think those two guys are the best duo in the SEC what makes those two backs and, and what and how Lane Kiffin uses them what what makes the ground game so successful with the tempo because that's a big part of it
0: yeah tempo is is a huge thing and you will you will notice that when they hit a big play they are running up even faster than normal because they know there's blood in the water
3: right they right. know
0: that's 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 when you go for another one um, and, and, and they did that last year and they're doing that again. And so I think with the running backs is interesting because, um, you know, Evans, uh, he was a little bit underutilized at TCU and he had some injury stuff too. Uh, but he averaged like seven yards a carry. And, and again, he was a top 20 prospect coming out of high school. Everybody knew right. he was really good. Uh, he's probably going to be a first round pick eventually, whenever it happens, but, Juddkins is interesting because you know he's a three-star kid, and I know not all three stars are created equal. But like you're looking at it now, and you're like, how did this kid not end up? He's from Alabama. Like, how are you not at one of those schools, right? Um, and it's it's his vision, it's his it's his body. He doesn't look like he's 18. I mean, he looks like he's been in a college weight program for three or four years. He's just I know I I like to say people are built different. He's literally built different. Like it's, he just does not look like a normal freshman. Uh, And the thing with Ole Miss too, is uh, especially with Jackson, when you have a quarterback that can run too, it just opens things up so much more because you have to count for another threat. And um, Ole Miss uses a lot of motion and, and they do a really nice job of, of scheming things. And, uh, I remember talking to, to Judkins, his high school coach, a couple weeks back, and he mentioned what was so great about him was his vision, and that if you just give him an area to run to, or, uh, you know, an air, he will find the hole. And I think we've sort of seen that too, where, um, you know, Olmes has done a really nice job of scheming things for him to just hit a crease and go. And, um, yeah, it's, 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 uh, yeah, I think they were, they talked him up pretty big, uh, in the off season, but you know, you always take it with a grain of salt, but he's, he's, he's going to be one of the good ones if he stays healthy. It's, it's, it's a really, really good running game. Yeah. Uh,
3: Michael, me and Billy, I think that we discuss a lot of this, a lot of these other things, you know, quarterback play, obviously important running back the talent level receivers. All of that is very important. But in the end, and Vanderbilt got a nice taste of it last week, it all comes down to the trenches. And so far this year, Ole Miss, at least when protecting the quarterback and rushing the quarterback on both sides, has been very, very good uh, on either side of the ball. I think they are uh, number four in sack percentage uh, when going towards plays under one percent. Uh, and they're number sixteen. I, I have pulled up here. Uh, you got like seventeen sacks, I, I think already. Yeah, right.
1: Yeah. It's crazy. Yep.
3: Uh, my laptop's actually working today, Billy. So I've actually there yeah, I've been able to pull up at least two
1: pages, two
3: internet browser pages. How about uh, that? I've been able to I've been able to pull up the stats. So this is a hell of a day for me. Hell of an evening. <laughs> that's uh, a, but that's getting back again to the game. Here's my brain continues to go off in every single direction. Uh, so in in the trenches, how is Ole Miss, how much of that is just the opponent level, uh, like, like I keep mentioning, because I think, you know, taking away Kentucky, Kentucky is obviously a very solid team, at least this year, you just have to take out of your brain it's Kentucky, but everyone else on that schedule, I mean, it is below number 70 or 75 in, in the rankings. so how is that offensive line and how real uh, is this Ole Miss pass rush as we transition over to the other side of the ball?
0: I think it can be a little bit, I don't know if misleading is the term, but Ole Miss has not given up a lot of sacks. I'm not sure what it's at now. I know heading into last week, it was like two on the season. I don't remember how many Kentucky got, but it, 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 it's really low, right? That's a little bit misleading because Jackson Dart is really good at manipulating the pocket and, and moving around and escaping and making off-platform throws and making things when things happen when they break down and the pass protection has been it's been good but not great and part of that is they've got some new pieces in there um you know we thought this was going to be like a really veteran offensive line with a a bunch of returning starters and they added in um, a kid from western Kentucky who was an all you know conference guy there and as it's sort of shaken out it's gone different they've got Last week they had two redshirt freshmen at the tackles, um, which it was like we, no one thought that that was going to happen. They had their guard uh, playing center. they had their tackle playing guard. it's, it's been all over the place. Um, and so I, I think the run blocking has, has been ahead of, 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 of where the pass blocking or uh, yeah where the pass blocking is at this point. Uh, And that's not to say that's how it's going to stay. I think those, those younger players are going to get better and then they'll figure it out. Um, You know, Micah Pettis making his first start, I think was the, he was the sec, you know, lineman of the week um, last week. So there's talent there, but uh, you know, I I think when they start to face those really good pass rushes, it's going to be interesting to see. Can darts still manipulate the pocket the way he's been so good at. Um, Looking at the defensive line, and that was one thing that Lane said in the offseason, that he felt this was the deepest that group had been. And that was something that they had really focused on um, over his time there, because when you're in the SEC and you want to be a really good team, it's not just about having three guys. It's about having five, six, however many guys you can rotate in, because if these teams are going at these really high paces in tempo, you need to have guys that can come in fresh and there can't be a huge drop off. And that's what they've sort of done with this group. Um, they've brought in a, a lot of, uh, fo- you know, guys who are like four-star players coming out of high school um, that, you know, J.J. P. Geese was a defensive tackle. He's actually from Oxford. He left and went to Auburn and then came back. Um, they have a defensive end, Jared Ivey, who's the one that sacked Levis uh, and, uh, and caused that fumble at the end. He's from Georgia Tech um they, they've brought in a lot of really talented guys so that when it gets late in the game it's the fourth quarter you aren't bringing in guys where there's a huge drop off and in, last year you know sam williams was an all-american 12 and a half sacks he's with the cowboys now he was amazing they don't have a guy that i think is going to put up those sorts of numbers but they have a lot of guys that are going to get sacks and and they're going to bring pressure. Uh, Chris Partridge is a defensive coordinator. Now he's been more aggressive. He's blitzing a little bit more. They're bringing backers. They're bringing defensive backs. Uh, it's I, I, I think they're going to manufacture sacks. and I don't think it's all going to be from that defensive line, but I think it's a really deep group and, and they're really happy with, um, with with just how much depth they have compared to where they were, you know, in 2020.
1: Well, getting pressure is a big key every every week, but it feels like for Ole Miss, Uh, they're going to want to do a lot of that against a freshman quarterback, AJ Swan. Uh, Of course, we'll we'll have to see how that plays out, but let's talk about the game and this matchup between Ole Miss and Vanderbilt. We saw last season's game tight game. I mean, Vanderbilt was in there and I know they lost by two scores, but uh, you know, Clark Lee has talked about how that that's a game where, you know, you look at Ole Miss, they're so different than they were last year. You can't even really kind of peel back that film from last year because they're so different with all these transfers but with this game, Michael, are you sensing any concern of, from the Ole Miss fans of maybe a potential hangover? It was a lot of emotion in last week's game. And I know it's Vanderbilt. I know it's in Nashville. They'll likely have um, you know, a lot of fans behind them. But Ole Miss has struggled against inferior opponents this season. So are you sensing any sort of a, a potential
0: hangover after last week's wild one? I think if last year's game hadn't happened the way it did, it might be more of a concern that they could have this hangover, but I think they remember what happened. I will never forget Matt Corral after that game. We're sitting in the uh, the team auditorium, and and it's because it was it was the game before the Egg Bowl, which obviously is you know that's that's the you know that's the toughest one of every season. <laughs> yes, yes. Actually, no. it Might have been before. Was, it, it was, it was I'm not sure if people actually I have my schedule right here. It oh, Might right. have been a couple weeks before. Oh yeah, no, 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 because it was a and they had just beaten a and m. And then they play Vanderbilt, and then only gotcha. State. So kind of a similar, you know, similar where you're coming off a big win, and then mm-hmm. you have this. And um, and Matt Corral sat there, and he just—you would have thought they lost. And he goes, "If if we play like that next week, we're gonna get our asses kicked." And I was like, "That's—they're not gonna let that happen again." And and so I think back to that, and just how that game unfolded last year. Um, I, I don't, you know, if they lose, they lose, but I don't think it's going to be because they overlooked it. I think it would have to be because Vanderbilt played the game of their lives and Ole Miss did some, did, you know, like, like, like you, like you told me they would have to make a lot of mistakes, but um, I don't think it's going to be overlooking. I think this is a pretty um, it, it for as young as, as a lot of its key players are, or I guess sec inexperienced, um, I think they really sort of understand where they are and the sort of gravity of the moment. And, um, you know, it, it's one thing when like you're beating, you know, Troy, but when you get that one against Kentucky, I think you maybe start to realize like maybe this team can be really, really good.
1: Michael, we we've had it's funny. Will and I have had co-hosts or not co-hosts, color analysts of the radio networks of teams. So we always like to ask for their prediction, but we haven't. They haven't been allowed to give us their prediction. So uh, we know you are, um, unless there's some kind of weird stipulation with with the newspaper. But uh, give us your pick, Vandy and Ole Miss uh, Saturday, three
0: o'clock on the SEC network. My, uh, I believe my final prediction. I think it was forty-eight twenty Ole Miss, and I don't think it's going to be it's one of those games where I don't think it's going to be like as lopsided as the final score indicates. And, and I think it's, it's going to be one of those games I think where, where maybe Ole Miss pulls away a little bit late. Um, I, I think spread 17 right now. Something I think it's yep. probably going to hover around there. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Vanderbilt comes out hot. I mean, this is a really big game for them and uh, they're coming off a of bye week, correct? Yes yeah, so and I imagine they probably didn't like the way the Alabama game went. They're probably really excited to go out there and and you know punch somebody in the mouth a little bit. and um, so I would not be surprised if, if Vanderbilt comes out and 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 looks really good, but I just think that Ole Miss, um, you know, I, I think right now they're just more talented. and I think in games like this,. Um, you know, when you've got a, a coach that knows what he's doing offensively and now they've got one, you know, they, they know what they're doing defensively these last couple years too. Um, ultimately, I think that talent's going to figure itself out over the course of the game. And uh, even if it isn't perfect. And again, this is a Vanderbilt team that is way better offensively than it was a year ago. And, you know, almost had trouble um, with, with, with that, you know, it was, it was Mike Wright and um, doing what he did, but, um, you know, if the, the, I think they were, they were frustrated from that. Um, so I, I, I think it's, it's going to be a game where, uh, I, I think Ole Miss is going to stay t- true to what does. They're going to run the ball. Uh, they're going to do that against everybody, um, unless it's Alabama and then Blaine sometimes does some weird things.
1: Um, <laughs> Get your popcorn before. ready.
0: Yeah, that was an all-timer. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I expect them to kind of stay true to what they are. Um, I think they'll win Fairly handily. And then they'll, you know, come back and get ready for an Auburn team that who knows who their coach is going to be. That's, it's just another week in the sec. You, you have no idea.
1: Who knows, who knows, Michael real, real quick, really appreciate the time. I forgot to ask you this earlier. How many Rebs fans are you expecting on Saturday? It's going to be great weather three o'clock kickoff and it's in Nashville. It's, I think it's about a four hour drive for them. So, and there's a lot of Rebels fans in Nashville already. So um, you, you got to believe there will be a lot, but do you have an estimate on, uh, you know, 10,000, 15,000, 20,000, what are you thinking?
0: I'm trying to think like uh, at Georgia Tech, it was, it was, I mean, granted Georgia Tech's not in a great place. It was, it was hard to uh, see the Georgia Tech, Georgia Tech fans were booing at, you know, at at the end of that game, but uh, you know, they showed up pretty, in in pretty good force. Um, You know, I, I don't know if I put a number on it, but I think that this is a team that, fans really get behind. And I think people really, they love Lane Kiffin and what he's done and that sort of energy he's brought to the program. And uh, you know, there's a lot worse places to be than Nashville. Um, and like you said, there's, there's, there's already uh, somewhat of a, a fan base there. Uh, I think they're going to travel well. And I think they understand that, you know, they're almost halfway through what could be a really special season um, I think they're going to drive wherever they, wherever they can. And, and they're going to make themselves heard and you're going to hear a lot of hottie toddy. I think, I think it's, I think it'll be a good crowd. Well, yeah, on top think- of every, every other issue that
3: Vanderbilt faces, they also face the issue of being in the coolest city <laughs> in, in the entire SEC on top of having 7,000 or 6,000 undergraduate students in total uh, to try to fill up the student section. Even if, you know, all of them show up, they fill up one, one or two sections in the is stadium. It which is it that small? All- the undergrad population. So Vanderbilt's actually like 60 more than 50% graduate students. So that is, so they have like 14 or 15,000 students or something like that, maybe a little bit more, but it's like 60% grad students. So when you see all the cameras and people making fun of Vanderbilt's student section, Mm. just like if you see 100 or like, I don't know, 500 students in there, it's the equivalent of having like 5,000 students. Right. Uh, it's for like Wake Forest universities, or 10,000 mm-hmm. students at most. Mm-hmm. So it, and, and on top of, you know, there's always a good thing to have an excuse uh, to drive into Nashville for a weekend, which is always uh, an issue faced by both the Titans and uh,
1: <laughs> Vanderbilt yeah somehow nashville becomes an issue for vanderbilt that's that's, that's where yeah it's titans it's funny because
3: on that billy i always like that question to them but on that it's like the titans put out something like they've had a big issue the last few seasons even though they've been very very good of having a large number right of opposing fans even as as good as they've been winning the afc south they've been like unable to fill that thing with more than like 70 percent titans just because everybody's like yeah we'll go on vacation in nashville that weekend that'll be good well yeah and so I, it's I, like I, you know it's two sides to the coin there's the good and the bad and everything
1: yeah i think it makes it more more fun for and and excited for vanderbilt fans to actually go you know in Ole miss you know they're going to bring a lot you know they want to go see an atmosphere i think vanderbilt fans that's that excites vanderbilt fans so i'm looking forward to it uh will and i both are michael and uh good luck with your coverage are you are you coming to town on saturday or uh are are you are you staying in, in mississippi
0: no, I'm coming in. Uh, I'm staying in Franklin uh, because uh, Nashville a good scoot. Is, is a little on the uh, expensive side. This, this yeah, I would say this time of year, but I think it's it's usually a little bit higher than Franklin. And yeah, good idea. Uh, I'm right yeah, so, out there in
1: Franklin, too. It's not that bad of a drive, but uh, make sure you leave early enough because uh, the traffic does heat up a little bit the closer oh you yeah. get to, to Vanderbilt. It's not
3: a night game. It's not a right. night game. so
1: Right. okay, Perfect. Good oh, good but
3: he, he had the experience. Georgia Tech is a pretty good comparison because it's just shoved right in the middle of Atlanta. Yeah. So yeah it's,
0: uh, that was an experience. That was an experience. Yeah, it's remember. the same
3: thing in Nashville, but there's like bachelorette <laughs> parties and pedal taverns. Like, going oh, perfect. At the perfect. same time.
1: Yeah. I advise you to not go check those out, Michael, but uh, (laughs) thanks so much for your time. And uh, again, good luck with your coverage and uh, enjoy Nashville.
2: Thanks guys. Appreciate you.